All right, it's the morning flavor, and we start uh, this journey of a series of discussions, Life After Matric. I mean, quite honestly, what is your plan after matric? Maybe you've just completed either this year or the year before. So you would more or less fall under the current crop of students or school leavers who have left school and now have to find their way around. And if going back to school, but in this case, going to study further is an option... You know, what is your decision and what is it based on? And I think this is also an opportunity for those who left school maybe ages ago and have a story to tell around their own academic journeys. Maybe a moment to reflect on some of their decisions and perhaps whether it all worked out or not. So to navigate us through this conversation, we're joined on the line by Sizwe Asana, business executive and former chairman of NSFAS. Of course, he also serves as chairman on uh, various foundations and trusts. And he's the co-founder and chairman of the National Education Collaboration Trust, founder and chairman of uh, Igusasa Student Financial Aid Programs, which uh, looks at funds and uh, getting support for students who come from disadvantaged backgrounds. Some may call it the missing middle. And uh, he does a lot of work in that space as well. Sizwe, good morning. Uh, good morning. Good morning, my flavor and the team. It's hard to uh, summarize your resume, but we tried. <laughs> yeah, you did a good job. Thank you. Life after matric, it sounds like uh, you open the curtain into a whole different world. Is the world a different place after matric, especially if you're choosing to go on an academic journey? Well, it is a different world, especially if you consider that out of the more than 700,000 uh, learners that wrote matric last year, only about 188,000 got bachelor's passes, which means more than 500,000 other got certificates or they, they have to look at other options other than going to a university. Mm-hmm. So yes, it does open opportunities, but uh, it does, we talked about lifelong learning and continued learning. Mm-hmm. It does mean for a lot of those people that uh, there are certainly options, uh, but they would have to, you know, skill themselves up as well as uh, just understand that they're going to have to continue to study and learn and so on. Mm. I mean, what are we dealing with here with school leavers? Are, are we dealing with uh, a bunch of young South Africans who know exactly what they want? Or is it a mixed bag? And, and academically, what informs their decisions? Well, very often... Uh, career guidance and support for young people, especially in terms of just understanding the opportunities that exist, is still really low. In other words, it needs a lot of improvement because often young people, you know, aspire to go to university because, you know, that's what's regarded as better quality education. Mm. But very often, they're not given much information about all the other options that may be available to them. Mm. Now, for instance... You know, with the launch of the general education certificate after grade nine, uh, there are a number of institutions, even if you haven't done so well in a trick, that can look at you, that can provide you with additional competencies and skills so that at least you are able to improve your employability chances. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the other things, Cesar, is um, making that choice, but also picking which institutions to go to. So, you know, there are many options. You can either go to university if your marks allow, or you can go to a TVET college or a private college, whatever the story may be. But, I mean, in my case, for example, I knew exactly what I wanted to be um, uh, professionally. So I decided to go study at an institution that specialized in radio broadcasting and journalism and media practices in general. That was my thought process there. How should we, you know, at least those who have left school, apply their minds 
when deciding on uh, where to study? Uh, information is power, my favorite. So I think it's important to just look at alternatives because as you correctly say, it's not everyone who's going to end up at a university, mm. but even those that end up at universities, uh, you find that uh, very often universities are very good at um, launching and offering courses. They are not that good at taking courses away that are, uh, I would say, useless, to mm. be honest. In other words, that do not lead to uh, high levels of employability. So that's why information is quite important. If I may just uh, provide some information as an example, mm. this country has some 2,800 community colleges that uh, are able to enroll and train and develop young people uh, provided they have a great mind. Mm. And there are a number of courses that uh, you know they offer, and they're spread across all the nine provinces, uh, these 2,800 or so community colleges. Mm. There are mm. organizations such as Harambe. So if you go to... Uh, the Department of Higher Education and Training uh, Science and Technology website. In other words, uh, dhat.org.za. Mm. And just go to community colleges there. There's a wealth of information that as a young person you can have access to, to some colleges that are closer to where uh, you may be, as opposed to traveling to the big cities, as an example. Mm. And then mm. there are private organizations, as you correctly point out, that are specialists. In other words, they specialize in certain careers and so on. Uh, one organization which um, I'm really associated with, uh, with, which has provided a lot of young people, almost 30,000 young people with uh, pathways and opportunities, mm. is the uh, an organization called Harambe. Mm. So if you go to the website, their website, which is called harambe.co.za, uh, you'll find that you know they are able to assist unemployed uh, young people, or young people are looking for career paths yeah. uh, in various streams. It may be you know, for instance, in digital areas such as coding, it may be people are working for the... Sure, sure. There are partners with them. Mm, mm, they are mm. looking for particular skills. And uh, if you go through their website, uh, which is, as I said, harambe.co.za, uh, you will find a lot of these opportunities. So research... That, you know, they only operate in the major centers. So yeah. Victoria, so, so one of the key things here, obviously, is to do a lot of research and, uh, and get an understanding of uh, where you want to go, which is absolutely key. Well, Cesar, so we know that access to information is still quite limited in, in this country. Um, how about universities also playing a more proactive role? Um, for example, I, I know that TUT, for example, has now uh, is going to discontinue uh, certain courses like public relations purely because they feel like that industry is overly saturated mm. um, and that it's probably not what the country needs to build its economy. Mm. I think we'll pick up on that when we come back from the break. Um, interesting point. And I see the lines are flashing as well. So what is the plan after matric? 089-110-3377. Certainly, academically, that's more or less the scope of our conversation today. But it's a, it's a series of conversations we'll have uh, under that topic. Life after matric. That's uh, the focus here. And we'll do a series of these discussions as we look at the various ways in which we can... Uh, be a productive citizen in South Africa. Pearl Shongwe, life after matric, decision-making, was it easy? Did you know um, where you wanted to be? Did you have a plan academically? I had a plan, but I my parents did not agree with my plan. So I had to go with a plan that I thought impressed them. Uh, mm. do what something. was that? 
uh, business, business communications is what I studied, majored in advertising and PR. Mm-hmm. And to them, it sounded glamorous. It sounded like, yes, you know, y- 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 we can believe that our daughter is going it to be It must be because of generations, future. especially the advertising Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, because when I said journalism, my dad was like, it, it, does, it didn't make sense to him. Like, like why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Owen, oh, what about you? Yeah, I was undecided. I left school, I was still fairly young. I just turned 17. I wasn't sure. But again, also trying to impress your parents, I went into mining engineering. Uh, in hindsight, working underground at 2,000 meters below ground, just I realized it's not for me. It wasn't for me. And in, I should have taken the gap year maybe and matured a little bit more and then decided on what I wanted to do. Eventually, you know, I got into computer science and then I turned pro cyclist and I did that for several years thereafter. Mm, mm, By the mm. time I wiped my eyes out, it was too late to go back to university because I lost all my credits. But it doesn't stop me from still studying and I still do that on an ongoing basis. Absolutely. All right, uh, we're joined on the line by Sizwe Ngasana who is well-versed in the space. We're going to go to the lines, Sizwe, just very quickly and then there's a point Mm -hmm. that Pearl made that I'd love us to pick up on. But we've got Itumele in Johannesburg. Good morning. Morning, MLP. How are you guys? Very well, and you, you too. I'm all right. I matriculated basically like 2009, so mm-hmm. you can imagine how old I am. Yeah, yeah. No, you're young. We, we long did the math for you. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, when I matriculated, well, I, I, I did my grade 12, well, my high schooling in a very remote area, rural area, and most, I mean, information like what to study after school is mostly like engineering, those are the t- the type of you know companies or or when institutions come to the schools they you know they speak about engineering and so forth mm. and funny enough um I was one of the top students from grade eight and when I did grade ten they said to me no you need to choose maths and science and I was like but what do you guys mean I I need to choose maths and science because I already knew hey Pearl corporate communication hey girl knew, I want to study <laughs> that in varsity mm. and I think. Oh, man. We lost E2 there. Uh, Pearl, you made an interesting point about uh, certain qualifications that get scrapped. Yes, they do get scrapped. And I think, number one, is because the certain industries do get overly saturated and there's literally no need for them in, in our economy per se. And then you get other industries where there is a great need, but people perhaps don't know about them or are not willing to take them up. I remember a couple of years ago, there was a big call for South African, uh, well, South African needing um, CAs. And now I see that there are a whole lot of CAs. I don't know if there's going to be, you know, a greater need for them or less need for them. But, yeah, industries continue to change over the years. And sometimes we need more or less of, of, of some expertise. I mean, what's your thoughts on this one, Cizwe, where institutions do away with certain courses because there's a, an oversupply of that particular skill set? Well, institutions are not doing more of that. Actually, they need to do more of that. If I just give you an example, mm. if you look at the TVET colleges as an example, mm. uh, most TVET colleges, and we have uh, 50 of them spread across 200 and just about 270 campuses in the country, you find that most of them offer what they call business studies and engineering studies. Mm. And a lot of the courses that young people take under business studies are completely useless. Mm. For instance, you know, you still find courses like a legal secretary or an office manager or HR person. These days, you know, you have computer, you have IT systems that take care of all of that. And mm. you don't need those. But there are a lot of young people who are still pursuing them because the Tibet colleges have not scrapped them. Mm. And the same applies to universities. Um, you know, you have a lot of causes, especially in the humanities areas, uh, where, you know, when you look at graduations that happen every year, 
you're going to have a lot of people who graduate, not that you don't need humanities degrees, but there are specific humanities degrees that give you opportunities for work or opportunities for entrepreneurship. Mm. But a lot of humanities degrees that are dead-end humanities degrees. Sure, sure. So a lot of those have been scrapped. Uh, another big uh, talking point is the accreditation uh, factor with some of these institutions. Uh, and we'll touch on that shortly before we wrap. Let's go to Kolani in Durban. Kolani, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well, and you, Kolani? Okay, what you are t- talking about, something that I always tell the kids. Because mm. right now, the the industry needs to uh, speak with the uh, university. Because right now, if someone is doing like an HR course, uh, the companies that they've moved away in terms of filling the papers and everything, they use technological advance. Office now, I, found in the car, I used to work in a company where we've got three HR consultants for the whole province. So now all these people are graduating where they will go into. Because that's why I find that these young ones, they get frustrated. Mm-hmm. And we've got a degree or a diploma, a certificate, but now it's obsolete in terms of the current situation. Sure. I always tell them, it's not about what you like, it's about now you need to add the current situation mm. of which now you need to look what is the trend because these things they change based on the time so I, I also I, need to adapt based on yeah, the time yeah mm-hmm. i totally get your point kolani um to a great extent uh sees we're just bringing you in here on kolani's point i mean there's an importance here to understand what the economy is looking for um and and also sort of guide yourself towards a career path where you actually find a job. To some degree, it's unfair, though, because what if I really want to be a certain thing, um, but the economy is not necessarily looking for that? So how do we strike that balance? Well, it's always going to be very difficult because, you know, we operate in an economy where there's supply and demand. In other words, there are people who are trainers or people who produce a pipeline and there are people who are demanding certain skills. And if the skills that are demanded are too low, compared to the number of people who are who have those skills, then there's a problem. There's mm. a mismatch. Mm. And we have a lot of that in this country. If I just give you an example, we have more than a million digital vacancies in this country. We don't have enough people who are studying digital degrees or qualifications or who have competencies in digital areas, such as coding or robotics or even the very foundational ones mm. uh, that you know you often need. Because even if you're a plumber or you're an electrician these days, use digital tools. Sure. We find sure. that a lot of the institutions are still trading people on analog systems. So there's a huge mismatch between the two, hmm. which then leads to high levels of unemployment that we have in the country. But there are also opportunities for online programs. So often very uh, a lot of people look for contact, in other words, where you go to a campus, you go and study. These days, there's an increasing number of organizations that are offering degrees that you can do you know, the comfort of your home, provided obviously you have a laptop or a desktop and you have internet connectivity. Mm. Before you go, in 20, 30 seconds, uh, verifying whether a particular institution is accredited or not. Let's take, uh, just take a moment to look at that quickly. Yeah, so there's a list. If you go to the Department of Higher Education and Trading, they have a list of accredited institutions because it shouldn't just be based on the fact that you went there and you saw what looked like a certificate from the Department of Higher Education and Trading or ESITA, you should actually verify that that institution is actually accredited because there are a lot of fly-by-nights out there. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, no doubt. Listen, this is not the last we'll have this of this conversation, uh, Cesar, and we will certainly continue from where we left off as uh, we embark on this uh, series of discussions around life after matric. We appreciate your time. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you, because I see there's a number of people who are reaching out, wanting to speak to you or reach you somehow, how do we find you? 
my email address is Cizwe at Cifiso.com. Cizwe at Cifiso.com. Correct. All right. Wonderful stuff. Thank you so much for making time to speak to us. Cizwe Ngasana, business executive and former chairman of NSFAS, and of course, serving on several uh, um, uh, uh, foundations and trusts and doing a lot of work with uh, this sort of space. We are done. Yeah, just uh, um, something that I want to note is that uh, Caesar mentioned an organization that helps young people and, and gives them guidance and direction and gives them opportunities to find work. It's it's actually Harambe, so with a double E at at the end, because I know some, some people look for Harambe with one E. So harambe.co.za. All right, perfect, wonderful. We are done. We'll continue this discussion uh, as uh, the weeks go by, as we set up our academic lives for 2020. Thank you very much for tuning in. It's been another yeah. ride. Yeah. yeah, that's been awesome. And uh, yeah, it's oh geez, it's almost it's almost two minutes past nine. Yeah. Let's Cop- get out of here. Kopedi is on standby. I promise you. <laughs> it's time for us to say our family bars. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> good day and, and good, good vibes. Night.